And um, today we're starting the portion of the Ato Tetzaveh. Now, which name of a person, of course Hashem's name is mentioned the most in the Torah, but which person is the most mentioned, which name of the person is most mentioned in the Torah? Moshe. Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu, that's the most name. Now it's interesting that from the time that Moshe Rabbeinu was born, which is the Parsha of Shemois, which we read, about the birth of Moshe Rabbeinu, through, actually, I believe, through the portion of Dvorim and Ekev, the name of Moshe Rabbeinu is mentioned. I mean, the whole Mishneh Torah, Dvorim, is Moshe Rabbeinu speaking, sort of, that was Moshe Rabbeinu talking, so his name is not mentioned. But in all the parshas of the Torah, starting with Shemos, through uh, Bamidbar, in every parsha we have the name of Moshe Rabbeinu, besides our Parsha, this week. In Ba'ato Tetzave, we don't find even once mentioned the name of Moshe Rabbeinu. And what's the reason? How come there is no Moshe in our Parsha? So it's brought down like this, that, uh, you know, when Moshe Rabbeinu was pleading for Hashem to forgive the Jewish people for uh, making the golden calf. That's a terrible sin. So he was pleading with Hashem, and, and in the middle of the discussion, and he was trying to get Hashem to uh, agree. So what does Moshe Rabbeinu say? He said, V'im ayin, if you're not going to forgive them, no asher He says, Hashem, I want you to erase me from this book that you've written, which means the Torah. The Torah that the Ebrister has written, God has written. He says, I want you to erase me. I want nothing to do. If you don't forgive the people, uh, then I want you to erase me from the Torah. How can Moshe give uh, conditions to us? To them. Well, when it came something which was so important to Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, the Jewish people, that was something most... He was a, a Roya Nemon. He was a faithful shepherd. And to him... The Jewish people were the ultimate, and the whole reason of the Torah and everything else was for the Jewish people. And if Debrister is going to destroy the Jewish people and not forgive them, so Moshe Rabbeinu wants no part of it. But the what happened after that? Hashem actually listened to Moshe Rabbeinu and he did forgive the Jewish people, right? But there is a rule in the Gemara that a person always have to be careful uh, not to put a curse even conditional. Like you can't say, for example, uh, this curse should happen if this doesn't happen. You know, you hinge it on something else. In other words, you say to the person, oh, if you don't give me uh, $500, then you'll be cursed, I give an example. So then, uh, even if you end up giving him the, uh, the $500, if it's a a klola, it's a curse that comes from a tzaddik, even if it's a condition, it takes place, the person still gets cursed, even though the condition wasn't, uh, the condition was met. So in this case, it turns out that Moshe Rabbeinu's condition with Hashem was met to a certain extent, even though Hashem did not destroy the Jewish people, but because he said, erase me, there had to be one parsha which his name is not there. That's called erasing of the name of Moshe. That's why there had to be one Parsha. Now the question becomes, why was the Parsha of Ato Tetzave chosen? There's so many Parshas. Why the Ato Tetzave? Because the Ato Tetzave is always in the week. 
in when Zion Oder, when the seventh day of Oder. That's the day of the passing of Moshe Rabbeinu. So because it's Zion Oder, Moshe Rabbeinu passed away then, so that's why this Parsha, so Moshe Rabbeinu's passing means that he was missing in this physical world. He passed away from the world. So in a way, he also is not mentioned. He passed away from the Torah. And that is to fulfill that the Kidlas al that if you make it under condition, still it came fulfilled to a certain extent that his name is a race that he's not found in this parsha, and because it's connected to Zion Oder. So that's interesting. The Rebbe actually says from this, that's one of the evidence the Rebbe brings, that the Zion Oder is the time that uh, we do it in the first Ador, Adarishin. Like this year, when we have two Adors, Adarishin, Adarsheni, so the question is, when do we do the Yortzeit of uh, Moshe Rabbeinu? And again, we know that the Yortzeit of Moshe Rabbeinu is a time that we fast. The Gemara brings down, Zion Oder is one of the days that we fast. We also know, we talk about it, that the Hebra Kadisha fasts on, on Zion Oder. But the question becomes, when you have two others, which is the other that you fast on? Is it the first one or the second one? So the Rebbe brings down for the Mogan Avram, he says you fast the first one. So the Rebbe says evidence to that, to support that, is the fact that when we have a leap year, we read the portion of Tetzaveh in Zion Oder, like this year. It's a leap year. So Zion Oder Rishin, which is this week, is when we read Tetzaveh. When it's going to come to Zion Oder Sheni, we'll be reading a different parsha, not going to be Tetzaveh. On a regular year, it's always Tetzaveh by Zion Oder. But on a leap year, only the Odorishin is by Tetzaveh. So this is another support for the fact that the Zion Odor, the Yorzeit, is celebrated or remembered on the fast is done on the first Odor, on Odorishin. And the interesting thing over here is that the, the Rebbe actually passed out, a uh, gave out a mimer, a special mimer, uh, that the uh, previous Rebbe said that this was the last mimer that the Rebbe gave out was the Ato Tetzave. He gave it to the public. If people went by and the Rebbe distributed, gave everybody the mimer. Uh, it was a very uh, uh, difficult talk uh, the Rebbe gave over from the previous Rebbe. Uh, as I we spoke a little bit on Shabbos, that it was a very difficult time back in 1920s. Uh, the uh, Rebbe Rashab, the previous Rebbe's father, he passed away in Tofer Pei in 1920. And that was uh, a very, his son, the previous Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchok, he's the one that took over uh, the leadership in that. And it was were very, very difficult years. It was uh, uh, a lot, a lot of challenges uh, to Yiddishkeit. And it was, uh, the government was brutal and very uh, 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 strong after all the uh, Yiddishkeit, everything. And, uh, Which government? The Russian government. This oh, was yes. talking about the Russian government, yeah. And they were very, very strong. And uh, um, so, but people, they were such an extent, they would send spies from the government to make sure that the, uh, the Rebbe, the, the Hasidim, you know, even, we know even in later years, people from America would go to visit. They would, you know, you had to be careful you know, talk on the telephone or where you go, they always have the agent, the KGB. They were constantly following you and constantly looking where you're going and what you're doing. It was, you know, something that we don't expect 
in the United States. Now Israel has now on the phone, they put on these companies, they track, you know, they track everything, what you do. What? Not for Corona, no, no. I'm talking about the spy agencies over there. NSO. Huh? NSO, yeah, what is it called? Yeah. Oh, that's right. So today we have uh, more sophisticated ways of following, but they're doing still the same things. But the olden days, they used to do it manually. They used to, <laughs> they used to put down agents that used to go around to the shuls. They used to go around. If somebody from outside of the country would come in, they would follow you and they would see where you're going. And if you met with somebody that you weren't supposed to, uh, they didn't think that you were supposed to, then they arrest you and put you in, in the slammer and, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and make you all kinds of trouble. So uh, the Rebbe at that time, he had a big Fabrengen. It was Purim. It was Purim cotton. And he had a big Fabrengen. The Rebbe settled a big Lechaim over there. But then the Rebbe, like, talked very strongly, openly about against the government. It was like very, everybody was petrified, you know, because he said such things that, you know, they, were, they knew there were agents over there from the, from the, from the KGB. They knew that, and they, they, they were petrified. And, and sure enough, shortly after, they arrested the Rebbe. But, so the Rebbe gave also the talk, and they talked about this parsha, Atta Tetzave. He, he explained, like, the uh, light for the menorah, and it's a whole big puzzle, but we ran out of time here. But he says sometimes you got to crush, you know, the olive. It says that it brings from the Medrash. When you crush the olive, it gives out the oil, the best oil. Some of the shemen, zayis, kosis, lamoyr. The Rebbe was talking about when they crush the spirit of the people, when the government tries to push you down. But that's actually the time when you can get out the best through that, and the, the, uh, the best of the oil. And the Rebbe kept on encouraging the people, saying that not, notwithstanding all the things, the light for the menorah and everything else. So sometimes, you know, these challenges, as we see, Baruch Hashem, at the end, the previous Rebbe was let free and started this whole new... Uh, uh, on a wide way, the Futsumayinasechachutz is spreading out all the wellsprings of Yiddishkeit from here and uh, with the Rebbe. So let's hope that this Va'ato Tetzave, Tetzave means connection, will connect with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not only command, but the Tetzave, that the Moshe Rabbeinu connects us all, the Tzadi connects us all with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and then we take all the Nisyoinus, all the tests, and we turn it into Shem and Zayis, we make it to olive oil, to light and to burn, and we'll Zaycha to be lighting the lights of the menorah and the base of Mikdash, may it remain.